Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking the Challenge USA episode five. Evan, any high level thoughts on this episode? Uh, highest level thought, Kiki. I literally, <laughs> during the first cutaway to Danny, I was like, I literally had my fingers crossed. I were like, I was like, is it happening? And then I was like, no, like it can't possibly happen. Episode five, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, no way. And without fail, uh, Kiki, our 29th cast member, uh, she continues to dominate this season. Yeah, she's a queen. She's getting more screen time than some other people in this episode. Totally, absolutely. Um, no, my highest level thought is just that last 45 seconds, Sarah Lucina, that was iconography that was important <laughs> television and i have to say um as a you know connoisseur of reality television if you will it's like you dream of a contestant like sarah who is not only good tv like that's obviously a lot of it but like she is so in it to win it and you seldom i feel uh get characters um that are as invested in mm -hmm. not just the like the winning because of the prize because you get a lot of that but like sarah wants to win to win and to prove to all the other people there that she is better than them it is important to her and she emits that energy both to the contestants but then through the screen you feel it and i just feel like after this was really the episode in which like Sarah Lucina like came alive. Um, us Survivor fans, we know this side of Sarah, I think, but it's something that we've not yet seen on the challenge. I just feel like she showed up this week. Yeah, I have to say on that point that there was some talk from Caché about how this is Cinco's dream. Like there was a couple of lines from Caché this episode about, you know, I know this is such a big dream for you. And then when he was in the arena, she was, I think we got a similar thing where she was like, oh no, like it's hard to watch because I know this is his dream. And in the moment I'm like, well, what? whose dream is to win the challenge? Like I get that there's probably, I, I get that there are challenge fans and like, people who compete on the challenge proper all the time, and probably it's their dream to win the challenge. But for this random person from Love Island, is it really his dream to win? Or are we exaggerating this for TV? And I'm not seeing it. That's the point, is I'm not seeing that this is Cinco's dream, where I feel like I'm seeing that it's Sarah's dream all of a sudden. This is Sarah's biggest dream. I think this might like be up there with you know the birth of her kids. This feels significant. <laughs> I will say, though, there is a world in which it's like, this was Cinco's dream. His audition tape got passed off to another casting director, and they were like, hey you'd actually be really great on Love Island. I don't know how that all works, but like, no. Was like, did I get the sense from Cinco that it was his dream? No, but like, I believe that it could be. And I understand, I actually understand more than most shows that people aspire to go on, why one would want to be on the challenge. Like, it's super duper fun, and there's the money component, whereas like with Survivor, obviously it's like the psychological experiment, but like, you're going to put yourself through hell. It's not going to mm -hmm. be fun. Whereas people that like, 
their dream is to be on the challenge. I get that element of like wanting, I mean, again, different kind of adventure of a lifetime. Um, but I feel like I can understand that sort of desire, uh, more than I can most shows. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's nobody's dream to be on love Island. No, that it is not. (laughs) Although I will say like, and again, I think we've established the fact that neither you or I watch love Island, but like, the amount of times I see Love Island UK trending on my Twitter is enough to tell me that like there's something about this show that like enough people that I follow on Twitter are a buzzing about it that I am intrigued that like but then sometimes it's like I have seen that happen in the past with The Bachelor and then like I tried watching an episode once and I was like I'm not doing that again. Um but there is a, there is a huge audience for Love Island and I wonder like I wonder if we could, I mean, I think statistically they couldn't do this, but like, I would love to know the breakdown of like, of these four viewerships, like who came from what, right? Like, Yeah, I would love that. Who pulled in the biggest draw? Yeah, let's do an exit survey at the end of the season with mm. every viewer. I would love that. Every um, single one. <laughs> well, Love Island UK, I think is, I would imagine it's a slightly different show because every clip that I've seen, and I have watched a couple episodes years ago, and it's very, very, very much like, Big Brother UK. I don't know if it's on every day in the way that Big Brother UK used to be, uh, but I get the sense that it's on like several times per week, if not every day or like a five day a week thing uh, where you're seeing the previous day's activity. And so it is, I think, a different show where it's like there's um, an element of comedy to it in a way that I don't think that the US, I really suspect the US one doesn't have because I mean, you look at any show that's imported from the UK, I think it loses that sense of humor. Uh, Big Brother is a great example where Big Brother UK was, like the reason I watched it is because it's the funniest show ever made. And that's certainly not the case for Big Brother US. Um, It takes itself much more seriously. And on that, they have just announced that Big Brother UK is being revived in 2023. The last season was in 2018, and it's truly the king of reality shows. So I'm very excited about that. That is exciting, but I wonder, like, why did it go away at all? I mean, this response alone indicates the fact that it's so beloved, and I know so many American... I actually know a lot of people that exclusively watch Big Brother UK and not the American, so... Why did it go away at all? This maybe, yeah. honestly, maybe this is another case of the Choco Taco from Klondike, where it's like this element of like, we're taking something away, we're withholding it so that the appetite grows. And when it comes back, they can, you know, there can be lots of noise. Yeah. I mean, I will say, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but I will say it did it did take a dip and uh, partially because there was constant, constant, constant twists and producer meddling by the end to the point that made it, I think, like less fun um, and more frustrating to watch, less of a pure game. And huh. so, Sounds and it like... did take a dip, but I think it's kind of like once you, once you take it away, suddenly people start to get nostalgic for it. I think you can really refresh a brand by taking a break. And that's what we hoped for with Survivor 41. I was going to say, it almost makes me think like had, again, not to like dreamscape here, but like had Survivor returned with season 41 and gone back to basics versus the direction it went, which is like throwing in these new elements, how cool would it have been to be like, we're back after this long break and we're refreshing the game by rewinding the tape, like would have been so exciting. Yeah. Also, that's oh not what God, I'm sorry, but like it would have been so fun to come back in season 41 with an all-star season and just like, you know, like bring in those old viewers, get some of those old school winners back. Excuse me, not even old school winners, old school players in general. There's just, 
huge missed opportunity. I wish we had uh, the hourglass and could go back and redo Survivor 41, but that's just me. In the words of Elizabeth Hasselbeck on The View, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> no, wait. Was it the words of Elizabeth Hasselbeck or the towel? She brought a it towel was the without words inscribed. printed on the towel. That yeah, Elizabeth was that a hand to towel or like uh, what was that? I think it was a hand towel. I think it was meant to sort of like hang in a bathroom. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody has not watched Elizabeth Hasselbeck's triumphant return to The View yesterday, uh, wow. What wow. a show that was. You want to talk about charisma? You want to talk about uniqueness? I'm not going to say what she was serving on that show, but she was serving. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> if anyone brings nerve, <laughs> I think it is Miss Filarski. <laughs> I will say, I thought I when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to say if anyone has contact with Elizabeth. We would like her. <laughs> I would say on our list of dream guests, she is very high up there. And I feel like a lot of people listening might be like, oh my God, she's so problematic, blah, blah, blah. We don't disagree with you, but we're yes and when it comes to Elizabeth. And there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot to speak with Elizabeth about and a lot that she brings in addition to the fact that she is problematic. Yeah, I think that what we have discussed in the past day is that we're probably going to do an episode about Elizabeth, oh uh, probably God. for our Patreon or maybe an early release for Patreon or something, because I, I do think the wider world needs to hear it. But I think that there is a lot to discuss about Elizabeth. And yes, she's problematic and everything she says, neither of us agree with. And yet she is still mother. She's mother, and there are like many eras of Elizabeth because, um, as a longtime viewer, Elizabeth's early seasons um, on The View, she was not nearly the conservative voice that she grew into. I don't want to say she was like groomed into that position, but like my feeling for a while was that a lot of Elizabeth's beliefs, like, were put onto her, whether it be by the producers or her husband or her friends, who, who that part of it, I don't know, but she didn't begin. Well, I do know. Oh, okay. I do know. She Bill was groomed Gettys. into it by Bill Getty, the executive producer of The but View. But at some point, it's, yeah. It's but at some known point, that he gave her the Republican talking points. Got it. But like, she's taken them on. Like, uh, they oh, are, in a big they way. are, they, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like, when did it go from like, when did that transition go from like, someone's telling me something in my ear to like, I am espousing these beliefs yeah. because they're ingrained in my DNA. Anywho, Elizabeth Filarski <laughs> is not on the challenge USA episode five, unfortunately, <laughs> but you know who is TJ Lavin. That is true. That is true. Any thoughts on TJ's fashion this week? Uh, this was a week in which I did not, I distinctly didn't have thoughts. I think, uh, which is, which is a good thing, right? It's like, we're not sitting mm -hmm. around talking about Jeff Probst's wardrobe. So no thoughts on TJ. One thing I did want to say about TJ though, briefly, before we rewind, I did notice when they got to the challenge, TJ got right into what they are doing. And I have to say one thing I really like about TJ and I could see it being adopted by other hosts of reality television shows, competition shows specifically, shows on CBS that are returning in the fall, um, is that sort of like, let's just get down to business. I don't need to do like a calling on a few people mm -hmm. to talk about the same talking points. We all know we're having like a hard time. We all know there's drama in the house. We all know we're excited for the challenge, blah, blah, blah. I like that we just like get down to business yeah it's true that when jeff does that i would say 90 percent of the time it's a waste of time but then you had some great moments like in 42 where you find out about marianne's crush on zach right like 
sometimes it pays off. But hey, maybe when it doesn't pay off, we just don't put it in the episode. There you go. I like that. No, for the producers, editors. Okay. Well, let's get into the challenge. Before we do, just have to say, once again, the Patreon, we've mentioned it already. It is now live. We have patrons, we have content, and we are loving it. So if you haven't yet, go over to our Patreon, check out the tiers. There are different uh, there are different benefits for different tiers. Uh, it's all very, very accessible, affordable, we think, uh, to get some exclusive content, some early content. Uh, there is a, a Facebook group we have set up, which I have to get Evan into. You can get access to our close friends stories where we post absolute nonsense on Instagram if you haven't had enough of us. And so very excited. Also thinking about doing some lives potentially with the patrons uh, maybe when the 43 cast is revealed we can do a live uh, reaction to that with everybody that could be fun um not locking us into that but you know some ideas and uh, and we're certainly taking requests from our patrons on what they would like to hear on patreon so head over there we will put a link in the show notes to this episode to make that easy for you and uh, we hope to see you there soon but let's get into the challenge episode five, because it is a big episode for Survivor. Uh, we get the random pairings. I put the random in quotes. And not a whole lot to mention here, except I think Sarah and Leo being together. Uh, that's the only real showstopper for me here because we had in the previous episode sarah complaining about leo and saying none of the women want to be paired with him because he sucks and doesn't shut up about cats which is like not a personality trait it's like embarrassing to watch almost but sarah gets paired with him and here we are and she is not happy you have to wonder though like is you know is danny to kiki what leo is to cats and and is there a world in which it's like leo mentioned cats five times during the you know three weeks that in which this was shot and they chose to air all five of those moments close up together so it makes it seem like that's his entire personality one has to wonder and also well, i have heard i have heard that that was it what's he from the amazing race amazing race that it was a thing that he did on the amazing race got it okay i mean didn't drive me crazy more like the conversation around it i think amplified mm. it in a way that made it seem um but also i just feel like leo like emerged in this episode with like a new personality mostly by way of how people talked about him but like mm. we've not we we're on episode five now obviously as you mentioned we got set up for this in the last episode by sarah but like my understanding was that like Leo did fine in the challenges that we've seen so far, at least fine enough not to make me feel any type of way like he's dead weight. I also think there is other dead weight like around. Like I think there are plenty of people I wouldn't want to be paired with. Enough of those still left in the game that Leo does not feel like some great outlier. So I felt like they really went out of their way to develop a character for Leo in this episode, which brings me to a question for you. So I feel like this episode really did a lot of work in centering the four people that went into the arena, um, mm -hmm. making sure that all four of them were given talking heads, were given plot points. There was an understanding of like the weight of that. As a result of that, I feel like people like Kylan, this episode was gone. Angela, this episode was gone. Kira, et cetera. So my question for you is, do you think that 
if you had, there are two options by way of edit, right? One is that like everyone gets airtime and then the four people that go into the arena go, or you have what we had here, which is that they gave a ton of time to these four. Um, but perhaps as a result, we as an audience were more invested in, in that singular plot versus having sort of like, you know, a bunch of looser plot lines. Is there one that you are preferential toward? Well, I do think that there's something in the middle. And anybody who has listened to our Survivor recaps knows that I really, really respect a follow-up from what happened in the previous episode. And given the magnitude of what happened in the previous episode with Xavier and Shan going home and uh, the sort of like betrayal, I guess, or revenge of Alyssa on Xavier, and that I would have imagined a big brother, uh, um, like some fallout from the big brother cast towards Alyssa that that we never had that mentioned once, I think is crazy. Because it was made such a big deal of in the last episode. And then all of a sudden, now it is ancient history. It's like watching, um, you know, like, the Simpsons, right, where everything's reset after you know, the, the psychotic events of the previous episode and like nobody talks about them, um, which works for a sitcom. It doesn't work for a reality show. In my it also opinion. And uh, so all I not- needed was like a, a reaction, just yeah. a reaction. This reminds me of Miranda on And Just Like That, where she's an alcoholic for two episodes or three episodes. And then all of a sudden just never spoken about again, everything's fine. Oh, it was, no, the first five episodes, because it was the fifth episode in which she has her breakdown with Carrie. Um, I'm not happy. Um, And then by episode (laughs) six, everything is good. So the challenge uh, is uh, vibing with and just like that on that level. Okay, yeah. Well, we also get some great sisterhood here, speaking of and just like that, where we have Ben (laughs) (laughs) braiding, Sarah's hair in the most aggressive braid I have ever seen in my life. Uh, This was like really funny to me because we've assumed that Ben and Sarah are close and sort of given their relationship on Winners at War, where he basically sacrificed his entire game uh, to keep her in the game, where he he basically said, like, send me home um, entirely for Sarah's benefit. I assumed that they probably have a close relationship outside of survivor and the challenge and certainly in the challenge now we are finally seeing that and like just this image was jarring to me yeah it's interesting though because i hadn't remembered everything that took place in winners at war between the two of them and when they did that brief flashback because ben has a moment soon after where he talks about the fact that like we didn't, I didn't exactly get along with Tyson on Winners at War. And like that to me is a little bit of like false history. And that like, I don't think that they got along, but I don't think that they didn't get along. It's a game. Someone has to go. He wasn't mm-hmm. playing the game with Tyson. So therefore he voted for them. But it wasn't some like great sort of like uh, rivalry between the two of them. Whereas Sarah and Ben actually do have this like deep connection. I could have used, and this actually made me think in general. I could use a bit more, like a few more flashbacks from the shows themselves because I keep thinking for someone that's never seen Survivor, it actually would benefit them to see a 30 second package sort of explaining the history of Sarah and Ben. And I do think it's significant that they have played on a season together, which was an all winner season in which they were aligned. Um, because the only other example I think we have on this cast is the cookout. But the cookout was really brought together more by circumstance than they were by like uh, um, strategic, like, uh, you know, I guess it's sort of, 
I guess one could say both, but I feel like with Sarah and Ben, it's like they found each other, they worked through the game, and then that sort of permeated the game in a way that Ben's gameplay was altered by it. So almost mm. it makes you think that like, wouldn't it be so poetic if Sarah was like, I'm gonna lay down, I mean, maybe we'll see something like happen, but like if Sarah, you know, gave up something for Ben. I sincerely doubt that's gonna I happen. I think based off of the meat-chewing <laughs> simulation that we got, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, that's yeah. not going to be the case. But yes, I do think, my sense to your point, I do think that they definitely have a deep connection. It definitely seems like it's outside the game. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm curious why she wanted to go to him for that hair braiding moment. Yeah, I mean, he does, I did look him up because obviously I don't follow Ben on any accounts. I'm not really interested in Ben, but I did look him up to confirm that I assumed he must have had a daughter. He does, in fact, have a daughter. So, you know, this is probably not his first time braiding hair. And uh, although it was shocking to see, it suddenly makes sense. But even just to have Sarah getting her hair braided, like she's not like... She doesn't strike me as a girly girl, you know what I mean? No, I mean, they're the so. two most masculine players in the game outside of yeah. maybe Cinco. Um, so yeah, it was like, uh, I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I really liked that. Uh, also, we see Sarah go and talk to Tyson about how they need to keep Survivor strong. Tyson seems very on board with that. He says like, hey, it's going to be beneficial for me to keep Ben close. So very interesting given what's going to come later in this episode. I guess one other thing to say is that I think we get this scene where Derek and Kayla are talking and they're talking about how they need to just kind of like fly under the radar and just keep being safe, right? And I don't remember... This is why I need the leaderboard. So Kayla has a win. Does Derek have a win? No, I don't believe so. So Derek needs to make the money. He can't fly under the radar forever. Um, or does he have a win? Like, I need the leaderboard. Do you know what I mean? I've completely I about think this last I'm week. checking right now, and I'm sorry if you hear my typing. I think that the Wikipedia might have a leaderboard, so I'm just going on there real quick. Uh, it does have a leaderboard. Thank you, Wikipedia. And Derek has $1,000. So no, Derek does not have enough Okay, well, if Derek can't fly under the radar forever then. Uh, but I did think it was interesting to see that because- Can I go over who's opposite. qualifying right now? Yes, please, please, please. Okay, so it's 5,000 that you need to qualify, correct? Yeah. Okay, so right now in the final, we have Alyssa, Angela, Cache, Justine, and Tyson. And Kyland, excuse me, six. And Kyland. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear Derek talk about this, uh, and certainly Kayla, because Kayla's actually a winner, so she's actually in the position to talk about this, because it's the exact opposite strategy that Tyson is employing, because Tyson, after this episode, has three wins under his belt, right? Mm. And and not only the wins, but the wins come with, uh, I think, a potential negative, which is that you have to choose people to go into the arena, as we're going to see, uh, really can backfire on you. I assume this is going to backfire on Tyson next week. I also think the strategy is going to start changing a little bit now because, okay, so for instance, right now, Dominic has 2,500 and David has 2K, right? So let's say David wins next week. He's not going to go for someone like Dominic that would get him to 4,500 because 4,500 is not 5,000. It's not enough. So I think at this point, it becomes a little bit more of a numbers game too in understanding 
Because before it was sort of like everyone only had a thousand, but now people are inching towards 2,000, 3,000, 2,500. Mm-hmm. Like numbers as weeks go on are going to play a more significant, um, become more significant in who people choose. I mean, I guess in the same sense, it's like you could just go someone, go for someone with a ton of money no matter what. But I do think that there's a little bit more strategy that can be deployed. Yeah. And does having more money put a bigger target on your back? And so do you want, so if you're in, so if you're the loser of the daily challenge and you're pitching to the winners, like, do you say, I want to take Tyson because he's got like 30 something thousand dollars or 30? No. 16. Close. 16. I was thinking 10 for each win. Um, $16,000. Well, then I don't want to take that on because then somebody's going to like come for me. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, it's like, you just want to squeak by, you want to have $5,500. Right. You know, that's what I would do. Okay. Well, let's go to the daily challenge, the barreled treasure as it's called, where they have to do a ton of swimming to collect a code and then swim to a barge where there are a hundred barrels, each with a unique code on them and you have to find the corresponding barrels to your code collect puzzle pieces go back do the whole thing again and then finish your puzzle it was pretty exhausting i felt like as a challenge and honestly i'm gonna be a little negative here i didn't think it was that interesting to watch no i didn't either i I think the fact that they needed to um put those little who's who in the water um animations Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. That to me was an indicator of sort of like a challenge design fail because the fact that they couldn't just have a shot determine who was in the scene alone because the water was so brown and there's, there's just too many people at this point to do a water challenge like this where you can't have eyes on everybody. I feel like that. Yeah. You just need something that's a little bit more contained. This felt all over the place. And then also with the swimming of it all, okay, so like I understand Cachet went on Love Island. So I understand why, you know, swimming was not a prerequisite for her show originally. Um, we've had this conversation on our regular season though, but like you know you're going on the challenge. Why not learn to swim? Like it's a skill set that can be picked up easily. And at the very least, you can have the knowledge of like how to do it. The fact mm-hmm. that we have several people competing in this season in which there are multiple water challenges and you know that's going to be a big factor and it also puts a target on your back when you're playing a game in which there's partners because your partner is not going to want to work with you you know what i mean like you you are seen as dead weight it's odd to me to see players that just cannot swim yeah so cache was one of them but leo was another and i thought we got some Great. It was a bit it was a big episode for Sarah because we got some great content from Sarah here telling Leo to like get in the water and he's like climbing down the net and then Sarah just sort of like pounces into the water and then carries Leo on her back uh in a similar way to like Tyson was sort of dragging Cache through the water. Amazing that Tyson and Cache, despite even choosing the wrong barrel, I think the first time, so they had to go back and redo the whole thing. So they actually did it three times, end up winning the challenge, which was wild. Yes, and I don't love (laughs) this sort of like underlying narrative of like, but I guess we have a little bit of a a subversion in the case of Sarah, but with the Tyson thing, it's kind of like, here's this man that needs to literally drag a woman across, but because he's such a strong man and in spite of a woman's incapabilities, he is still (laughs) able to win it for them, despite the fact that she did nothing. Like I still, 
And it's, again, this is just the reality of the situation. No one did anything wrong here, but there is this element, and I, I, and I think we've hinted at this, and, and we know this from what we've read, that the challenge, like Survivor, has issues with regard to favor, favoritism towards men, or even just, you know, it happened... Um, what were oh Billy and I were just watching a challenge on Survivor Pearl Islands in which it was like the one where they had to like run across the uh, the plank and then dive underwater blah, blah blah and my and I said to Billy I was like this is not fair men have longer strides and and I've said this about so many Survivor challenges um, tend to not always uh, but this is an example where it's like we saw and again thankfully Sarah subverted the very thing I'm saying but there was a little bit of that element of just like the men can get it done and they'll just bring the women along with them I don't love that. I will hand it to the editing, though, because after after the challenge is wrapped up and we go to the house to get reactions, I thought we got like a really great confessional from Cachet that wasn't like, hey, I sucked. Tyson helped me win. She was like, I won. I won a swimming challenge and I'm so proud of myself. And so it, th- I felt like they didn't push that narrative on us. Yes, in the challenge, that was certainly the narrative, but I think it's because of what happened, right? Like, and Tyson was riled up by the whole situation. Totally. We saw him throw the puzzle pieces at the like the board and all of that. So it's like a little like toxic, but yeah. I also just want to like got it done. Pause and and give it up for Cachet. Uh, she's a terrific narrator, and I also yeah. just think she's like very emotionally evolved as a person. I love the fact that she is still in her feelings and not like over them and then able to articulate being in one's feelings. I feel like there's a tendency both in reality television, but also in life to sort of be like, I'm ready to talk about this thing because I'm through it. And I really appreciate someone being like, I'm talking about it and I'm in it. And then we got that great arc not to jump ahead, but at the very end where she's kind of like, you know, bookended her journey by definitively saying this this fairy tale, this romance, whatever it was, it's it, this is the end. It's over now. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's really, really great. She was, if it weren't for Sarah Lucina, I think she would have been the star of this episode. Um, what else about this challenge? I think that's pretty much all I have to say. I did like the puzzle. I liked that it was like, um, typically when we see these kinds of puzzles, what are they called? Um, tanagrams? It's just like shape puzzles, right? Uh Typically, they're like making uh, a pattern or there's some picture on them. I liked that it was like a solid color and they just had to figure out how these things fit together because it made it, I think, more challenging. And probably that's how people had an opportunity to sort of pull ahead in this challenge. And I liked that it was on that sort of vertical but on a slope angle sort of thing uh, because it required two people working together to finish. Absolutely. Totally agree. I did want to point out, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, my impression was that this was the first mention of the Challenge World Championship at the start. No, I, no, no. It's not? No. It's actually been in every episode. Okay, then I so then I just haven't noticed. But but it's uh, always a voiceover, I think. So I don't think he's actually saying it to the contestants. And, and this one was the same, same case in. as all the others yeah. then? Yeah. So maybe yeah. I just was keen to it, but... So can we just, have we explained this already on the podcast? I don't think we've talked about the world championship. Yeah. So just can, so briefly for for those listening, because I, and even so, even though it's been explained or been mentioned on the show, I don't think it's been properly explained. Um, No. Sean, you should probably take this because I'll probably. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Explain it poorly. (laughs) 
So can I just the say, Challenge USA? Uh, Sean yeah. texted me last night, being like, "Oh, the, I wasn't able to watch the first fifteen minutes, so I'll, so make sure like when you watch it tomorrow, I'll need you to like uh, fill me in, blah blah blah." And just me taking notes during the first 15 minutes is just, again, a testament to like how much Sean keeps the train on the tracks, but just the thought of like having to be the dictator of like what happened in the first 15 minutes. Now, by the way, he ended up being able to watch the first 15 minutes, but like the thought of me having to hop on and like explain information to our audience or to you was like, (laughs) just that's, that's my challenge. <laughs> this is why it takes two. It takes two. Indeed. Starring Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. And Kirstie Alley. And Kirstie Alley. Okay. And so uh, Sloppy Chan- Joe's. Sorry. And Sloppy Joe's. That, that was my first Have time I ever saw Sloppy, Sloppy Joe. Joe's. Me too. And I really wanted one. Me too. Even though it kind of grossed me out. They're, and and wow, actually, they're super really gross. They don't iconic. stay on the bun. I know. They're gross. They're awful. The Callaways. <laughs> Wow, I love that movie. Okay. <laughs> Bring them back. Truly. Uh, okay, so the Challenge USA is a unique property for the challenge. And it's called the Challenge USA, not because CBS needed something new, but because it's part of a global series. And so as I understand it, there will be, though none of them have started, the Challenge Australia the Challenge UK, and the Challenge Argentina, which maybe this is why, maybe they're doing like country swaps and that's why they're in Argentina and maybe the Argentinians are going to go to the US or something. Uh, That's just a guess. But each of those countries will run their own version of the challenge. I understand that I maybe they're going to also involve like reality stars uh, in the way that the Challenge USA does, only based on like hints I've heard about potential Australian survivors playing in the Australian version. Uh, having said that, like I said, none of them have actually started. Uh, so we will find out what's going to happen with those, hopefully, eventually. And so each of those four countries is going to run the challenge. And then some combination of either the winners or I feel like that doesn't give us enough people, but the winners or like the finalists maybe from each country will then compete in the Olympics of the challenge, which they will bring them all together for the challenge global championship is what they're calling it, I think. And that will air exclusively on Paramount Plus. So there's a world in which that's just a single episode, right? Where it's like, again, because we just don't know, but there's a world in which it is just the finalists and they come together for like a two hour special and do one final competition. Um, Maybe. I would hate that. I would hate that. But also it feels weird to bring winners and runners up into the fold. Cause so perhaps Mm -hmm. there's a world in which it's like, they don't name the actual winner. Like the finalists go and they're, and they'll be like, we will see you. These two pairs will see you at the final. Oh, that would be fun. Because wait, let's crunch yeah. the numbers real quick. So right now, there are five more episodes left. And there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 18. There are 18 people left and five episodes left. So yes, we have reason to believe that we are not going to come away from this season with a winner unless they do it Drag Race style and we have the final episode in which multiple people exit, like a grand finale. I suspect we will. I mean, so they keep talking about getting into the finals, da, da 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 And so I don't know what that entails, but I would imagine that there's like sort of a rapid fire, like several challenges in a row where people just are out, right? I imagine that the regular challenge rules are dropped 
and there are new rules introduced. Just based on the way they're talking, it sounds like there's sort of like two phases of the game, the regular phase and then the finals. And so I would imagine that we're going to speed things up towards the finals, but who knows? Bum, bum, bum. It is odd. Maybe people do know. I mean, the the challenge has been on for many years, and I'm sure that they do finals. But this, like, reminds me, too, of, like, what's happening with Stake in the Grass. And, like, there's just this weird trend right now of just, like, not laying out, like, for audiences, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we're just sort of left with, like, you know, and even, like, there's there's talk right now on Drag Race of how much ADRing there is of, like, RuPaul explaining things uh, in voiceover and Mm -hmm. post-production. And it's just sort of, like... I just feel like these shows are just their their last minute decisions are being made constantly, um, and and we're and then we're not being filled in on details. It's like tell us, like, give us dates for things. Let us know, like, so we can mark them off and get excited. Yeah. I feel like it's like <laughs> yeah. help us help you. Like, don't leave us in the dark. We 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 need the light. We need the light. It's very like Survivor season one. I don't think people remember that when we were watching the pre-merge, we didn't know that the merge existed. Right. Like, we truly didn't know how this was going to wind up and that, like, okay, well, there's two tries, but how are we going to wind up with one person? And then the merge comes and you're like, whoa, they're doing what? They're moving in together? Uh, So, anyway, I don't know why that came to mind, but I think uh, I'm just along for the journey at this point with the challenge. I, I have... They've gained my trust in terms of their ability to explain how the game works and the backstories of their contestants that like they've done a great job of catching me up as somebody who doesn't know the challenge and only watches one of the four shows represented. And so, you know, I'm just going to like go forward with blind faith and that when the finals come, I'll figure it out. So I guess before we move on, we should mention that the losers of the challenge were Cinco and Aza. So that is a Love Island Big Brother pair. And credit to all of the non-losers where this was a challenge in which it's like, it seemed that everyone was able to do it with great force, except really for Aza, she really was the outlier. Even um, who was with Sarah? Leo. Even Leo, as much as he couldn't swim, he still was able to finish the challenge. Not easily, but like it definitely seemed like, you know, a lot of these people are, are up for the intensity that these challenges bring. Yeah. And I will say that despite the fact that it wasn't like fun to watch, I don't think uh, it was a struggle. Like this felt like one of the first really hard challenges they had to do. Right. Also, despite the fact that Shannon has not appeared on this season at all, um, wasn't she the one at the in the very first episode that was like kind of thinking that she didn't belong there? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, I have to say like the lack of hearing from her, I almost think is like a good thing in the sense of like, yes, like you know. Yes, it would be great to give her more airtime, but obviously, like, she is handling all of these challenges in stride. Yeah. Shannon was in the opening. um, Yes. The opening previously on, and I was like, who is this blonde lady? Yeah. (laughs) Poor Shannon. Okay, well, let's go back to the house where they've got some strategy to take care of. So, Well, literally, poor Shannon, she only has a thousand in her bank account. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hmm. She could be like the first victim of the finals. Oh, she has to get to the finals first. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we have this formality, right? Where the winners have to talk to the losers to figure out, well, who would you like to go up against? And we really see this play out. I think previously it's shown as like an organic thing that happens where it's like, well, we better go talk to them. But here we have Singo and Aza being like, 
we have we have to go talk to them and like i don't want to give them anything to work with because i don't want them to like get this twisted or use what we say against us and sort of like throw us under the bus for who we chose to go with and so like we're just we're not getting involved which is interesting because i think we got this mention at the beginning about how Dom and Desi were two survivors and that they could be potentially at risk because, you know, they're, they're sort of like one unit. You're not, you're not, um, you're not sort of like backstabbing or like throwing under the bus, like a specific group from, or sorry, a group from multiple shows, right? Like it's a much cleaner cut. Uh, of course here, I guess like with Tyson being on Survivor, then that's that makes it a little trickier, but it would certainly be easy for Cinco and Oza to say, look, we'd really like to go against the two survivors. And like, it's up to you whether or not you, you put them up, but like, we've got no connection to them. We're fine going up against them. So I thought it was weird that like, they wouldn't even mention them, but they really were giving nothing uh, to Tyson and Cash to work with. So we also get some great shots of everybody in the courtyard, hanging out in the courtyard, which I don't think we've really seen uh, yet. So it must have just been a great weather day. Uh, but I really liked having a new setting that wasn't like the fluorescent lights of the bedroom. And we saw Kayla and Derek talking, and they're a little bit concerned because they're the Amazing Race and Big Brother. And of course, the winning team is Survivor and Love Island. Yes, Survivor yes. and Love Island. And so they're a little concerned because, okay, well, well, we have no connection to these people. So we could be the clean cut. So like, what are we going to do here? And I think Kayla like really, really stepped it up here because when she talks to Tyson and says, hey, I've heard that Ben is really frustrated that you keep winning and that he might take a shot at you. We don't know the truth about this, right? Because that is not a conversation that we've seen as far as I'm aware that Kayla would find out this thing about Ben. It's believable. I believe it, but is it, is she sort of like coming up with that on her own, like by process of, you know, observation or deduction or whatever, or was she actually told that it kind of doesn't matter because she tells it to Tyson and suddenly it becomes truth because Tyson sees truth in it. And so I felt like, Kayla really emerged as like a huge strategy threat in this episode that kind of went unrecognized. Well, yes. Um, but it was contingent on Tyson going with it because if Tyson had rejected, you know, her words, then it would have meant nothing. And part of me feels like she stoked a flame that was already ignited in the fact that like, even if, like there was going to come a time when Survivor was going to have to turn on Survivor inevitably. And I think Tyson is aware of the fact that Ben is some of his biggest competition. So if anything, I think maybe she like exacerbated an inevitability. Um, but yes, she did a really great job, um, especially considering though she felt like her back was against the wall and thinking that like, oh, it might be her and Derek. I think I didn't think that that was the case with her. I think that there are far bigger threats to take out. So I think it didn't seem like a desperate move on her end, given the timing of it. Whereas I think if if the situation were different, it'd be like, well, of course you're going to tell me this because you want to mm -hmm. sort of move the target. Um, but I don't think Tyson perceived it as her trying to do that. I think he was genuinely felt like they were making a connection. And I appreciated her explicit nature about being like, we haven't talked game and I want to talk game with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's why I think it was a really good move. Like, I just think the timing was really right, right. for her to yeah. do this, right? And to recognize that there might be something there already, either because she has knowledge of Survivor or because she's reading body language or like overhearing things. I just felt like this was a really, really slick move from Kayla. And, you know, whether she needed to be saved or not, I think like ultimately this can only help her. T. Yeah. Also, just I'm like wondering too, to go back to your courtyard comment, like, I, I think. Obviously, I hope we'll do an interview with someone from this show, but like, what are they doing during the off hours? Because with Survivor, at least there's like the built in thing of like, they're trying to survive. They're gathering firewood, they're boiling water, et cetera. Like, there's all of that. Whereas they're in this, I was going to say house, but it's not a house. They're in this warehouse. Um, we've seen a couple shots of them out at a bar. But from my understanding, that's a set and like they, it's just them at the bar. But do they go there like every night? Are they having like formal meals together in which they all sit at a table and eat? Um, Do they have their cell phones at all? Like, do they have communication? I mean, these are people with families. Like there's really... Like, yeah, I I just have a lot of questions around what goes on. I'm going to guess that they don't have their cell phones Mm -hmm. because... or. Like, they would have to be given specific time to use their cell phones, which would be off camera. And I just doubt, I think probably not, right? Because then they could also be texting their partner being like, can you get information on this person? Like, well, what would this person do? Da, 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 da. So I would imagine they don't have their cell phones. Interesting about the meals. I think it would be great to see some, like, communal meals because there's probably good drama there. You know, a, a, a kitchen table is a great place to have a fight. And so odd that we haven't seen that. To the point about the bar, this is interesting because I think we heard this in Xavier and Shan's exit interviews about the timeline of how these episodes are filmed, where uh, in the first few rounds, they did the daily challenge. They went back to the house, strategized, and then they had a night out or like a nightly event. And then the next day was the arena challenge, where in the Xavier and Shan episode, Um, And possibly even the episode before that, I can't remember, um, that it all happened in one day. And that seems to be the case again this week, where we don't get any shots of like, now there's a nighttime and the next day we're making our decision. So Mm -hmm. it seems like they've sped up the schedule here so that everything's happening in one day. But it also makes you wonder too, like, do do they have entire days off? Like, um, on Survivor, the old format was reward challenge, elimination, day off. And by day off on Survivor, they're still having to survive. So it's like mm-hmm. the game is not completely go away. But with a show like this, it's just like, I just, I wonder, do they have downtime? And then also like, do they have like a, you know, a, a movie room if they all want to get together? Like, I just feel like if they don't have alcohol there, I mean, they have the gym, but like, how do they pass the time? Yeah, it is a good question. It's a great and question. like, this is a game in which it's like, you can't really do too much like forward strategizing because of the algorithm of mm-hmm. like, like for instance, I feel like if they want to make this like truly take it there, you put Sarah and Tyson on a team together next yeah, week. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And they have the capability and I feel like they're going to do that. Like I get the sense that like, I don't think there's puppeteering happening with this show, but like, I do think that they are very wanting to make the best possible possible show that they can. And so I think that they would be cognizant of that. Yeah. And also not for nothing. I don't know about Sarah, but like, I think Tyson would be like, 
I think he likes that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, chaos. for sure. I think he would thrive in that situation. Yeah. I would love it. Is it like too obvious then that the algorithm's fake? I don't know if no, they're concerned fine. about I that. mean, yeah, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't been paired together yet. No. So nope. they're a potential, they're a potential pair. And we're running or, out of potential pairs. Or you do Ben and Sarah, Tyson and Angela. Mm. Well, he can't he can't be paired with Angela oh, again. Right, right, right. So then yeah. you do Ben so no, I think you gotta do Tyson and Sarah. Yeah. And then you do Ben and Angela. Yeah, that would be good. Assuming they haven't been paired together. I don't think so. Okay. Well, we don't get a whole lot of insight into the actual decision. We don't really get... um, I mean, there is like some flashback, I think, at the arena. So let's just go straight to the arena where Tyson and Cachet put up Leo and Sarah. And I think it's a big shocking moment for everybody there because Sarah did not see it coming. The strategy here for Tyson, I think we get it a little bit in a flashback that he wanted to put up Ben, but Cachet wouldn't let... Ben go up with Justine because Justine is like a a Love Island person. She just wouldn't let that happen. And so what's the second best option? It's to take a strike at Ben using Sarah. And we get even a confessional from Danny saying like, that is the survivor way to play the game. It's like strike at somebody by striking at their closest ally. I did think though, the, that sort of excuse that was used about Leo being like, none of the girls want Leo. We only heard that expressed by Cachet. Yeah. And again, it's like, is Leo that big of a dead weight? Like, I don't, again, like I, I, until this week, I had not seen that as the case. The sense I've gotten from the previous episodes is, is not even that he's dead weight, but that he is annoying to be around. Got it. Which matters, which matters when you're living in a house with people. But enough to, consider the fact that Sarah is such a strong competitor. Like, like I, what was confusing for me was like the likelihood of them coming back into the game seemed very high considering mm. who his partner is. Um, so I just was this, I, yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like an odd strategy. It was certainly a gamble. And it's going to pay off for us, but it didn't pay off for Tyson. Uh, Sarah got like revved up. Sarah oh, went from zero God. to a hundred. In a matter of seconds, she had some really great lines here. She said, I'm going to make you look like an idiot. She said, I am so calm at this point. (laughs) It's the best I've ever felt going into a challenge. (laughs) Like Sarah is just iconic television. So the challenge is called a dark turn. And so the pairs are tied together and then they have to enter a dark shipping container to memorize a stack of very varying sizes of film reels and then um, using their sense of touch, remember how they're stacked and in what order and then exit the container, come back outside and recreate that stack outside. And we see two very separate approaches here uh, because we have... Aza and Sinka go straight into the container and try to feel those film reels and the order that they're stacked in. And we see Sarah and Leo develop a strategy outside in advance. And it's like quite clever 
And Leo really seems to step it up here because it appears that it's his strategy. And that's to sort of assign a numbering system to each of the different sizes of reels and a sort of like method by which to measure them using their fingers while they're in the dark. And they really spend some time on that before going in. And ultimately that really pays off because they're able to catch up to Sinka and Aza who didn't have that strategy and win the challenge. I thought it was really interesting that the... Other players who are observing, right? So they see Leo and Sarah coming up with this method to tackle the challenge. And when Cinco and Aza come out, they start shouting, like, you do do what they're doing and explain the method, which I feel like I wish wasn't allowed. Yeah. Because it feels like cheating. (laughs) I like that they're able to sort of like outwardly cheer for you know, who they want. It was like, it was interesting to see how many were trying to like help out Cinco and Aza, but like, I don't know that George's sort of like exposing a strategy that's actually quite brilliant that the other team is getting a leg up on them to just like say, use this strategy, I feel like is not right. Didn't love that. But what I did love is that Sarah and Leo win, and Sarah goes full feral January 6th outside the Capitol. She is slitting throats, as Tyson said, eating a turkey leg. I don't know what she's doing. She looked like me playing charades at three in the morning on a Saturday night. Like, it was wild. 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 I mean, literally, I mean, January 6th obviously is... The first thing that comes to mind, but yes, Farrell, as you said, too, it's like there's just that look in her eyes where something overtakes her body. She is no longer Sarah Lucina. She is like (laughs) full. uh, What was the uh, cop? Her cops are us. Like you see the cop emerge and like you get it. Like it all makes sense. She goes from being mother to mother monster. Exactly. Like, (laughs) yeah. And... And she has a confessional saying, the war has now begun. You don't want to, you're either with me or you're against me, right? Basically. And I sort of just love this concept of like, this is truly winners at war too. We have winners and they're at war. Yeah. And Although it's like Sarah funny Lucina. because <laughs> Sarah made the comment about Tyson, you know, you've gone on Survivor four times and you only won one. Yes. It's like, Sarah, your track record, you're one for three. So yes, Tyson's yeah, track record <laughs> is worse, but like you aren't like, you don't have like a glowing track record by any measure. Yeah, yeah. Not to was... mention the fact that like you are very disliked amongst many of your Survivor contemporaries, whereas Tyson seems to be pretty beloved. Yeah, it feels I like- I would love to hear like, is Rob Mariano watching this show like- I would love to find out which survivor, like which iconic survivor alumni are mm. like watching this and, and are they rooting for one versus the other? Like Sophie, if you're listening right now, like, are you watching? I mean, if you're listening, you're probably watching. Who are you rooting for? I wonder too, because like Parvati is very, very, very close friends with Tyson. Is she watching the challenge? Hmm. I would love to know that. Who else are friends with these people? I will find out regarding Parvati. I is was going to text her right now. The challenge? And why isn't Tony on the challenge? These are good not questions. That I'm, not that I'm wanting to no, see no, Tony no, on the but challenge, like, but I'm surprised. He yeah, seems like it would, and fit. it would make sense to have him on. More sense than Ben. Right. Well, <laughs> anyone would make more sense. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Is Chrissy watching? 
Hmm. Desi, play the challenge. I would love to know that. Good question. Hmm. Much to consider. Maybe we can do some reaching out. Okay. Is Natalie Cole watching the challenge? Maybe we could find out. Oh, maybe we could. I I suspect not. (laughs) Get her on the challenge. We should get the mayor of Slamtown on the challenge. Mm. How about that? How about it? We should get Donathan Hurley on the challenge. We should do a dream. Okay, now I'm just saying names. I know. We should I was gonna say we should do a dream We should get Colleen Haskell on the challenge. How about that? Period. Let's get Sonia on the challenge. Yes. Mother. Mother. (laughs) The mother of mothers. (laughs) Yeah, truly. (laughs) Okay. Anything else to say about this episode before we wrap it up? No, it just was like extremely satisfying. And I think it's fun that uh, it ended with like this episode sort of, it was like, it was a great episode throughout, but just the energy that it ended on and the momentum Mm -hmm. that the show currently has is really, really exciting. And I think unlike a lesser show, like this very much was a to be continued that was not packaged Mm -hmm. as such. And I think that frame, like that framing to me tells me a lot about the fact that like, I feel like they are confident that there's a lot, there's a lot of tricks up the sleeves of, this show. Um, And I feel like there's a lot of like brewing plot lines that I'm excited to see continue. And uh, I'm excited to see like the return of cast members. Like for instance, like Justine was not really in this episode at all. I'm excited to like Mm -hmm. check in with some of the players that dropped off this episode. And I really feel like I, I, you know, increasingly as more players go, I have more of a sense of who's left. And I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've said this every week, but I'm like fully, in this show i'm in it yeah and i remain hopeful that we're still going to see some fallout from Alyssa and kylan's decision last week because i do think that that has to come up and maybe it was just the wrong pair to win this week that it wasn't relevant but you know that did seem like a very big decision in the way that tyson putting up sarah was a very big decision i also think that i don't think that the moment of sarah going feral on tyson at the end is going to be topped. I think that that was like probably the iconic scene of this entire season. If it is topped, good on them. But like, I'm happy with that. If we peaked here in terms of like iconic moments, that's great. I Like I, Sarah hasn't had an iconic moment like that on Survivor. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's the most iconic thing Sarah has done. I'd have to think about it, but it's definitely up there. But then, like, I yes, I mean, if that's... But part of the reason why Sarah is mother is it always comes back to the Zeke outing from Game Changers and how Sarah handled that situation and that moment where it's like, I feel like Sarah is such a dynamic personality, whereas you can get January 6th Sarah, as we saw in this episode, but you can also get, like, a, a sensitive, uh, kind, empathetic, compassionate Sarah, as we saw in some instances on winners... Or excuse me, on some instances of Game Changers. So, like, I don't know, like, there's... That, yeah, that's that's. I my mean, mother. I guess I guess her other iconic moment is the the tribal where she tells Jeff to call her Lucina, and sort of that's has not the thing iconic. about like women, I mean, like, the treatment the treatment of women on Survivor. Like, I thought that that was like probably the most interesting thing about Winners at War. Yeah, no, I think it's a big moment. I don't think it's iconic. Mm. Okay. Wow, maybe I'm a misogynist. <laughs> I would agree with you, but then we would both be wrong. Then we would both be wrong. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned earlier, please check out our Patreon in the link in the show notes. Uh, in addition, you can follow us on at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram, uh, where we will share updates about uh, our episodes, uh, including upcoming interviews. I was teasing an interview for the past couple of weeks, and now that uh, unfortunately is postponed due to Just scheduling. Postponed. <laughs> Just postponed. It's not canceled. It's postponed. But hey, it's some of these people are really hard to nail down. And uh, not all of them that we're going after are used to doing podcasts all the time. So I think it's sometimes like a new thing for them or it's something that they haven't done in a very long time. But that's why we're committed. We're committed to getting some old school players or people you haven't heard from in some time. And uh, sometimes it just takes a little bit more help for those people. So uh, we will have some interviews. We've got some uh, backups planned. So we've got some big things coming. So make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and rate and review this if you liked it. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.